This is the Uncommon Christian Podcast with Michael Hinton. Well, hello and welcome to the Uncommon Christian Podcast, episode number 44. Today, we're kicking off a new series called Body, Mind, and Soul, where we'll be talking about how our faith in Jesus intersects with our body, our minds, and our souls. And there's an uh, interesting moment that one of the followers of Jesus captures, a guy by the name of Matthew. Uh, these religious teachers of the day, they're trying to entrap Jesus. And so what they ask Jesus is like, Jesus, so what's the greatest commandment? Jesus, we want to know. Because basically what they're trying to do is to trying to get Jesus to say something that will uh, make him seem uh, to discredit him. And Jesus responds with this. He says, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And what I've learned, and I don't know about you listening today, but what I've learned is that I don't think we fully understand how our body, souls, and mind really interact and intersect with our faith. So what we're going to do in this series is we're turning to the experts to help us figure out how we can begin to see this intersection and work fully to experience what Jesus was talking about in that moment. So I'm really excited for today's episode. Uh, I am joined by Los Angeles-based content creator, podcast host, blogger, and graduate of psychology and research at UCLA, Brittany Moses. Brittany, welcome to the podcast. Hi, Michael. I'm so uh, honored to be your 44th podcast and to be having this conversation with you. <laughs> yeah, thanks so much. I Just so you guys know, uh, Brittany is, she's all over the map right now. She's everywhere. Uh, I found her on the Version Bible app during the verse of the day. And uh, she was so kind to take some time out of her day to come and hang out with us. So thank you so much for doing that. Thank you. Yeah, it's so cool the ways that we get to connect and you realize how the online world can actually kind of make our worlds a little bit smaller. So it does. Um, you're right. We have kind of connections beyond the internet. we kind of missed each other at real life church there. And so that's right. Uh, that's, really right. that's right. Uh, Brittany, she used to attend the church that I currently serve at a real life church in Valencia, California. So if you, uh, by the way, are you looking for a church, a place to belong long before you have to believe, then love for you to join us there at real life. But hey, Brittany, why don't you just tell us a little yeah. bit about who you are, what you do and why you do it? Yeah, that's good. So yeah, I am born and raised in Los Angeles, California, and I have let's a little go. one. Yeah, let's go. Uh, <laughs> I have a little one named Austin who is not so little. He's 12 years old um, and like 5'7". He's a very tall 12. But <laughs> so <laughs> a lot of what I do is at the intersection of faith and mental health. That really is my jam. And that came out of, I want to say, two places. One is that I had been serving in the church for years, you you know, at least for the past decade in different churches from in being in LA to my time in Dallas, Texas with different church plants. And uh, what I kept running into over and over again were mental health crises. You know, um, you're thinking you're just going to kind of serve and, you know, serve families and people have real, we all have mental health and we all have these challenges. And that was something that I kept encountering was mental health crises, which now makes sense knowing that research for over 20 years has shown that a person will go to their church or their clergy before they ever step foot to a mental health professional. So I was starting to realize that we were really as a church on the front lines when it came to mental health. And then it was my own personal experience. I had experienced severe anxiety and depression, especially when I transition to being a newly single mom and having to rebuild my life. I went to therapy for it, got help. I actually went to celebrate recovery at Real Life yeah, Church, uh, yeah. which was a unique and pivotal time in my life of just surrounding myself with the right voices when I was going through things. Um, there's a quote that I love by Brene Brown. She says, it's as if we've divided the world in between those who help and those who need help. But the truth is that we're both, we're both in any given circumstance. That's there's it. Not you've helpers you've, in the helped, you know, yeah. you've quote, you've quoted Brene Brown. That's it. You've won. I yes. am a huge Brene Brown fan. Great she Brene. is amazing. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, long story short, that is where my passion comes from. And so from that, I had the opportunity to go to UCLA and study psychology and do clinical research, did a thesis there around childhood trauma and anxiety uh, conditions later on in life, and 
have had the opportunity to take that to an online platform and talking about it in a way that is accessible and entertaining, um, especially for today's world and generation. But I also have fun doing it and um, and being able to contribute to conversations like this about really all of the holistic dynamics that are involved when it comes to what it means to be human and when it comes to our mental health. Yeah, absolutely, man. Well, as I said earlier, I was able to, you know, I was doing the verse of the day on the YouVersion Bible app and I, you know, you were doing that. And so I clicked on the the, the kind of the about me page to kind of mm-hmm. get your story, which led me to your blog. And as I kind of got snippets of the different blogs, I, I was I was piecing together. I'm like, oh, man, this is an amazing story. So oh, let's just kind of <laughs> jump off right there. Let's, you know, if you would just tell us a little bit about uh, kind of your journey and, and how yeah. God has kind of woven what I am starting to understand is a very beautiful story. Yeah. Oh man. I think when I started really thinking about the intersection of faith and mental health, I was just having a hard time finding like really well integrated resources where they both talked about the science and the practicality of mental health and like what is actually going on with me on a psychological level, on a physical level. But then also having that faith-based inspiration, being a person of faith, that's a lot of where we get our our hope and our truth and identity from. And so I do believe that both together create a whole view for us of the person. You know, this idea that scripture kind of tells us the origin of our Mm. humanity. And then the the therapy and the practical side tells us, you know, the, the inner workings of it and how we can have solutions, have real solutions. So together it gives us a whole picture, but I just wasn't seeing a lot of that. You know, I was either seeing just a lot of faith inspiration and spiritual inspiration on anxiety, which is great. Or I was just seeing like a lot of secular material on mental health, which still had valuable information as well. And so that kind of led me to start thinking about it more and, and just writing about it more when it came to the blog. Um, I didn't have a specific strategy or objective when it came to the blog. It was just me piecing together what I was learning, um, what I knew of scripture, what I was learning in school. And it kind of just, it kind of took off. And from there have been able to branch out, have been able to branch out from it. Um, That's so cool. So that's kind of that's kind of what it's been. I've been able to be a NAMI certified support group facilitator in my city, being able to facilitate uh, group conversations of those living with a mental diagnosis, uh, being able to be a crisis counselor on the national crisis text line. I did that during COVID when the lines were spiking because a lot oh, of people wow. were struggling mentally in quarantine. So I have the academic side, but then I really value the practical side. My favorite part has been walking with people through their stories. When people ask about, you know, me speaking to mental health, I always say academia gave me the language, but it's really my experiences that gave me the depth of understanding. Mm. And so I I really value that. And it's been what it is today. And it's been able to open a lot of doors. And so I appreciate people like you who intentionally create spaces for these conversations and allow me in um, to talk about the real important stuff. (laughs) Yeah, that's awesome, man. That's so good. I love that, that phrase of how the academia gave you the language to be able to describe what you're going through, but your faith kind of gave you the experience to understand Mm -hmm. and walk through and, and even have empathy with others who may be dealing with the same thing. Okay. So, so let's get into that a little bit. Will mm-hmm. you do you mind sharing just a little bit about kind of the faith part, the journey that really kind of led to some of the things that now you're doing? Uh, I know a little uh, a little bit of your story, but I'd love for our, our listeners to kind of hear a little bit of that. Yeah, I was born and raised in the church. My parents were young adult ministers, um, went through a very terrible and unfortunate divorce when I was a teenager that kind of dismantled everything, wasn't really going to church, wasn't really involved in my faith. It wasn't until I had my son at 18 years old that really Mm. turned my life around. It was an unexpected pregnancy. I had to navigate that and really led me to get serious about my life and uh, about my child. And the first thing I thought was, we should get planted in church. Like, don't ask why I had that thought, but it was just like, I don't know. It was maybe it was the Holy Spirit. We'll say that that was leading my heart maybe. (laughs) But, um, uh, so yeah, I got back involved in the church and I was serving 
Um, and so because of my experience in church, because of my, I had a passion for scripture, a zeal for scripture. I had read from Genesis to Revelations, uh, you yeah. know, the whole Bible. And that was really awesome because the word was then stored in my heart. So then when yeah. I went to school to study psychology and mental health, everything was like being filtered through scripture for me because right. I knew what scripture said about certain topics and things. And then I would hear a psychological concept and I'd be like, Oh, this intersects with, you know, what scripture says about the mind or like what this verse says about the spirit and about the soul. And so I really believe that my, my faith background, my, my hidden seasons in scripture, my hidden seasons serving really helped color what I would go on to experience with my education in psych. Yeah. So it, it was not something that was planned. It was just one of those things where God took me on this journey and it all kind of intersected and came together in a way that I didn't even imagine back then. I didn't think I was even going into mental health per se. Right. Um, so it's really awesome looking back. Yeah. That is so cool. <laughs> I, it, it's cool to see how God has you used the different experience that you've had to walk through to kind of, uh, and as we would probably say in the churchy language, reveal your calling, right? Yeah, to yeah. kind of open that pathway. And then for you to be able to uniquely walk through that door and say, okay, God, you know, this is the opportunity you provided me. This is your platform. Use me as you will. Yeah, that was exactly it. Yeah. Wow. And then when I was in church serving, um, you know, we had some severe things happening with you, things like trauma, depression, anxiety, even suicidal ideation. And that's when I had a moment where I was like, we really don't have a policy in place mm. here. We really don't know how to respond to these situations. We are really great at support. We're really great at loving people and being there for people, which is so necessary. It's a big part of mental health, but um, we're we're lacking in some areas. And so, um, yeah, that's what led me to go back to school and bring this conversation back to the church of like, how can we really equip ourselves for okay being there holistically yeah. for those yeah. who are, you know, within the body. That's great. Okay. So let's kind of get into a little bit of this <clears throat> and, and just, I apologize in advance. I'm still trying to wrap my brain and understanding <laughs> around all the different aspects of, of how this really intersects with faith. So, yeah. um, you talk about in your blog and in the kind of why your blog exists, you say, uh, you have this phrase, you say, you know, that people are bio psycho spiritual beings. What do you mean by that? Can you explain that for us? <laughs> yeah. So that really is usually my starting point in the conversation. And I use that a lot. So if you hear me on a lot of other things, you're going to hear that repeated over and over again, because I'm really just trying to sink it in. <laughs> and that is that we are, you know, we are so dynamic. God created us in such a dynamic way that we should care to pay attention to all of those things. I think that, you know, the church has done a really great job of addressing spiritual support and, and even and social support, but we um, we can learn more about the physical side and the psychological sides that are mm -hmm. playing a role in our really our humanity as well. You know, you said you mentioned earlier the verse "Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength." Well, there you have it. You know, that is you know with your strength that's that could represent physicality if you want the physical side with all your mind, that's your mental with all your soul, that's your spiritual. Right. Um, so Christ himself is speaking to these dynamics right. and these layers of what it means to be human. And right. so taking that, taking that out, we are bio, psycho, social, spiritual beings. So bio, meaning we have a biological aspect that plays a role in our mental health. So, you know, the our brain structuring, we have hundreds of thousands of chemical reactions taking place every second in our brain. Even as you're listening to this now, there are chemical reactions that are taking place. And if any one of those things malfunctions, so to speak, or is lacking in any way, that can affect someone's mental health. They, that yeah. can be a source of depression or anxiety. And that has been shown like in, in brain scans and researched. Okay. It's, it's, it's undeniable that there's a connection there. There's a physical connection um, as well as hormones, our nervous system, our body stores trauma, you know, the fight or flight response that takes place mm with anxiety. These are physical things that are going on in your body that are directly related to your mood and mental health. 
And there are so many aspects of that that one can go right. into. But just the awareness, that way that we are not shaming folks or passing judgment on folks for it sometimes being beyond willpower or or right. not just as simple as read these 10 verses. Like there's right. literally something going on in their body that needs addressing. So I really do like to stress that. I believe that God can do anything, um, but I think he works in, in many ways and we want right. to pay attention to the physical, just like we would with any other physical issue. If we had a heart issue, if we had a kidney issue, you know, if we're having a brain issue, it needs to be addressed all the same with the same respect. Right. Um, right. And then there's a psychological aspect, which is our mental framework. So that really is the perspective that is shaped around our experience. And all of us have very different and unique experiences at the intersection of our life, which is going to paint how we see things differently, you know, um, whether that's cultural upbringing or parental upbringing, um, especially trauma. Trauma can definitely change our perspectives as it, it shapes the way that we view the world and our relationships you know, all of these things can play a role in how we're seeing ourselves, how we're seeing others, and how we're seeing the world around us. So it's our thought life, how we're thinking about things and why we're thinking about them in that way. Mm. And then there's the social aspect, which is something that I think affected many of us uh, with the pandemic, right? Mm. Is that yes, we, were it did. we were lacking a lot of that social contact and both scripture and research back the fact that we were not created to live and do life in isolation and that it is better for our overall well-being and mental well-being when we are engaging in healthy relationships and meaningful conversations and healthy attachment. And so lacking those things, I always joke, like I see those, you know, quotes online where it's like, if you're lonely, turn to Jesus. And it's like, (laughs) absolutely. But at the same time, you are a human being who has human needs. And so you also need to turn to your fellow human beings. You also may be lonely because you genuinely need connection um, with other humans. And so make time for that, you know, time for that. Yes. Time for that. And lastly, the spiritual, which is the one that we talk about so well, you know, the renewing your mind and what do you objectively believe to be true at the end of the day, right? When you are, so to speak, tested by fire, when you're going through those trials, what do you believe to be true about who God is in your life? um, What God is doing in your life? Uh, about yourself and who he's called you to and created you to be despite your circumstances. That is the hope that transcends our present reality. And that plays a big role in how motivated, fulfilled, and grounded we are in moving through our circumstances. So that's the rundown. That's the rundown of the whole person. (laughs) Okay. I think I I took some great notes. I think I'm I'm becoming more, uh, I'm understanding it just a little bit more. I wrote a couple of things down and I'd love to get your thoughts. So with the bio, with the biological, you're absolutely right. I think, you know, obviously the 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 brain structure, the neurons, that all affects how we, you know, end up being who we are as a person. Mm-hmm. I, I hear all the times like I, I once heard somebody say to somebody who was struggling with depression, it's like, oh well, mm-hmm. you just need to pray more. And it's like, well, that well, that only solves a portion of the problem. There is right. a whole chemical reaction thing that either is firing or not firing that's that that and I and I'm not a doctor and I don't fully understand it but I know the basics from the, yeah. the basics that yeah. it's not just praying that's going to help this person get out of their depression they need actual professional uh assistance in this yeah yeah and then absolutely. and then um in the physical and I think uh I think I've been uh, a testament to my own spiritual journey is mm. I have found that when I am struggling physically, mm-hmm. it really spills over into the spiritual. It really does. When I feel lethargic, when I feel lazy, when I feel unhealthy, when I'm eating bad, or I have this uh, Coke, Coca-Cola, not not drugs, but Coca-Cola. That's a good obsession. clarification. Yeah, good clarification. <laughs> uh, I have this uh, Coca-Cola obsession when I drink too much Coke, when I'm not eating as healthy and I just feel bad. I really don't feel... Um, I don't really feel as connected to 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 Christ as I should be because mm-hmm. now everything else is kind of 
outflowing from my physical mm. uh, perspective at the moment. Wow. Yes. Thank you so much for sharing that. You touched on something that I didn't even touch on in the physical aspect, and that's even the gut-brain connection mm. and how what we're eating absolutely plays a role in our mental health. Um, there's bidirectional communication between the gut and the brain. Typically, when you eat your food, it's the small intestine that absorbs the nutrients and sends them through uh, your blood system, right? And it circulates. And that, and that, your blood system is also going all the way up. It's traveling up your body through over your brain, where you have the blood-brain barrier, and your brain literally is absorbing those nutrients. Um, wow. You know, and so there is absolutely a role uh, when it comes to nutrition and mental health and what we're eating, making sure we have kind of a I like to say a colorful diet, meaning that we're getting in all the essential nutrients because it can play a role in brain fatigue, in feeling anxious, right? With a lot of sugar, for example, that is definitely related to anxiety. Um, But going back to what you're saying about how you find it spiritually connected, you know, um, there's a lot that scripture says about the internal life, you know, mm. um, there's Proverbs twenty seven nineteen that says, as a face is reflected in water, so the heart reflects the real person. Or, mm. you know, my favorite verse, Proverbs 25, that says, that's 20 verse five, that says, the purpose in a person's heart is like deep water, but a person with understanding will draw it out. Um, so good. Or Matthew 5.11, you know, the whole, mm. it's not what goes into your mouth that defiles you, but it's what's coming right. out. Coming so out, yes. There's a lot of scripture that talks about how we have this internal life that is housed within us, I would say mentally and spiritually. And our actions come out of, our fruit is the the um, the evidence of our internal life. Right. And so when we're struggling mentally, we're often struggling spiritually as well because it all goes together because what happens with mental struggles is there really sometimes is a dissonance between what you believe and like what is true, Mm. right? There's a dissonance between what I know I should be doing or what I know I want to be doing or I shouldn't be eating or, (laughs) or shouldn't be doing, but I'm doing it anyway or, and there's no shame in that, right? There's no guilt in that. Right. Um, but that dissonance, that um, paradox between, you know, who God calls you to be and who you really, what you really believe about yourself right. or what God wants to do with your life and what you believe can actually be done in your life in those limits. There's that gap between how you see yourself and how God sees yourself, how you see your situation and how God sees your situation, speaks over your situation. Right. And that is so tied together because it, it's within that dissonance and within that gap where we struggle. Right, right. right. When we, it's when we can align our beliefs with what God says that we found ourselves more grounded mentally and spiritually and able to show up because we are embodying those beliefs now. And it's mm. not always going to be perfect. It takes a lot of re-renewing our minds and, and all of right. that. But I say all that to say that this internal life mentally and spiritually is absolutely connected. And we've all felt it. If you're off mentally, oftentimes you can feel a spiritual dissonance as well. But most of all, God understands it. You know, the Psalm says that God created your heart. So he understands everything that you do. And so he's not surprised when we're in that space and he has enough love and grace to carry us through it and to see us through that. Man, that's so good, Brittany. It's interesting that you say that because I think, um, and, and my own personal journey is, yeah. I, you know, I'm a I'm a three on the enneagram. So Me too. I, makes so much hey. sense. That makes yeah, sense makes- now that you said it. You're totally a three. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and so, as threes, you know, man, we the thought life is a it, it could be our greatest asset and our worst enemy, right? Right. Um, and this idea of like we're always trying to put our best foot forward. We want people to see us as successful. And I know for me, and I and I talk about this a lot um, mm-hmm. in my teachings w- when I teach to the church or even in the podcast or anything like this. No one can write a a, a worse story than we write for ourselves in our heads. Yeah, we tell ourselves all kinds of stories all the time, especially when there's a gap of clarity, right? When there's ambiguity, we start filling in with crazy stories. And I think we take for granted 
or or honestly, we don't believe uh, in the severity of how much our thought life affects our spiritual life, right? Mm-hmm. I know that, like for me personally, as I was saying, like I trend uh, when my when when things are unhealthy in my life, I start trending negatively, and the stories I write in my head about myself, my family, right. my marriage, my relationships, like they begin to spill spill everywhere. In mm-hmm. your opinion, That's so real. Why do you think that is? Why why are those two things so connected? Oh man. I mean, it it goes back to the belief system, right? It's like what you know you should believe Mm -hmm. and what you are actually believing and just really needing to merge the two together, you know, cause it, cause it does spill over. Like we just mentioned all these aspects of ourselves. They're not, they're not like car parts, right? Where it's like, oh, we have the brain here. And if we just fix the brain or, oh, we have the heart here. And if we just fix the heart, like if we fix the, if we go to the relationships here and fix that, it's a symphony. Like it's more of a symphony of parts all coming together to create the overall experience. So when you are having a hard time spiritually or in your relationships, I mean, it is, it's, it's affecting other areas. But the great part too also is, Sometimes if you just start working on one of these areas, it can help uplift the other areas in your life to work on. So when I I talk about ways to like help with your mental health and what have you, I try to tell people, I'm not saying you need to be perfectionist and do all the things like tomorrow, like eat the right things, be in your scripture every day, see a therapist, like one thing at a time, you know, for some the way that they start is coping with fitness, you know, and as they are doing fitness, it helps give them the motivation to work on other areas or some start with therapy or many of us started at church, maybe where we heard a message that just woke us up and and got us back connected with God and ourselves to start on this journey of healing. You know, um, the great thing is that if, when we work on even just one of these areas, it can help us uplift working on the other areas toward our overall healing. So yes, it's connected. Um, they affect one of one another. And that's why, that's why self-awareness is so important. You know? Yes. Yes. And, and, and I'll be honest, I, I struggled with self-awareness for the longest time. Same. People would have to tell me like, uh, I don't know if you know this. And it's like, well, you should be self-aware. And so I've spent the last, at least, I'd say 12 years really trying to make sure that I am always, I always have a pulse on what is going on, not only inside of me, but around me. And, uh, you know, I think I've made some strides. I can always get better. I think we can always get better, but that thought life idea, it really hit me. Um, Several years ago, you know, mm-hmm. in my own marriage, we were walking through just a really difficult season. Yeah. And honestly, 99% of the reason it was difficult was because of me and my own just messed up thought Thinking. process and mm-hmm. childhood upbringing and just some yep. of the stuff I was walking through. And it really kind of came to head. It was like, holy cow, I had written this crazy story in my head about what right. I deserve and what I wanted versus what I was getting. And it really kind of, it almost drove my life off the cliff. Mm-hmm. And I don't mean that like suicide. I just meant like, I almost wrecked my life yeah. because my thought life was so unhealthy. Yeah. I mean, you, your reality is projected from your thoughts. You know, there's this quote and it's, it's, kind of philosophical, but it's true. It's like you, we don't see things the way they are. We see things the way we are, you know, and that's what, that's why scripture is always great, right? Because it's this objective truth that we continue to refer to, or no matter what we feel, no matter what we think about ourselves, no matter what we think about our circumstance, this is, this is what we're, this is what we're holding on to. This is what we're clinging to. And it helps us correct our thoughts, you know, um, So it's, it's, yeah, I mean, it's all interrelated. And if we don't correct our thoughts, right, the, the, the issue is that then these become our automatic thoughts, this Mm -hmm. idea that practice makes perfect. So what thoughts are you practicing? Because chances are you've now perfected that thought and now it's become your automatic thought pattern. So so something that I encourage people to do, this was something I was doing when I also was trying to become more self-aware because same here, I just, um, from upbringing, um, especially if anyone has experienced trauma, something that we 
kind of innately learn to do is disconnect from ourselves right. as a form of protection. Um, we either disconnect by not feeling things or dismissing things or bypassing things because it's too much to deal with. And so we just kind of move on to the next. Um, but the problem is that what happens is then, uh, you know, those narratives, the shame, the failure, whatever is ruling us. Um, it's owning us instead of us owning our own story and owning right. our own narrative. And it's running in the undercurrent of our thoughts, our lives and our choices. And yeah. so, you know, I also had that issue where I learned to kind of dismiss, shut down, yeah. keep moving out of a survival place, especially as well. When I became a single mom, it was right. like, that was like how I survived. So had to work through that. But what I, a little simple practice that I learned is what I call your ABCs. Okay, and ABC. So when you are triggered by an event or you're triggered by just a negative thought or there is something that you notice is reoccurringly triggering you, it's activating you. You you can tell when something's triggering you because it it activates you like physiologically mm. almost before it does mentally. It hits your body before it hits your mind. You feel it in your gut. Something's not right. You know, um, you don't feel right about something or it's affected you in some way, you know? And so we want to address that. So the ABCs is a, I usually journal this kind of in column. column. So it's like a is the activating event. So this is like what happened. Um, maybe it was the text that you got or the thing that was said to you that sent you sideways or an event that took place where you notice it, cause anxiety, whatever it is, you first, you recognize, you identify what that activating event was, um, because there's a chance you might encounter it again. And you want to know like, okay, this is what I'm, this is something I'm struggling with. And then B is the, uh, belief. Uh, first part is the belief. So what was like the automatic belief that came to you? What were what were the automatic assumptions, thoughts, judgments that you made about yourself or that you made about the situation? You know, um, so the the B is belief. What did you automatically not what you should believe or what you think you should believe? Like what did you like? Be real with yourself. What came to honest, mind? Yeah. What came to mind? Write it down. No matter how ugly it is, no matter how crazy it seems, you know, write down what you automatically thought and believed from that. Um, And then C is the consequence, which is, you know, what are, what, like, would your typical action or reaction be to that? You know, how would you typically react? So you're going to take that and now you're going to start reframing. And this is the part of, you know, Romans where we like to say, be renewed by the, you know, be transformed. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Romans 12, yeah. We love that verse. And it's like, okay, how, you know, this is where I like to make that practical. Let's practically renew our minds here. Let's practically look at the thoughts. So now what you're going to do is you're going to take that belief and you're simply just going to write down like two other ways to see the situation. Like what are two other ways you are going to look at the situation? Okay. Maybe they responded that way because they're going through something and it's not about you. Or maybe they responded that way. Um, because they're busy or whatever it is, just sometimes all it takes to get unstuck from a thought is to simply shift and open your mind to two other ways to see the situation. Cause we get in tunnel vision. So that's it. We call it just like two competing theories. Like just now think of two other ways to view that situation. And now for the C consequence, you're going to choose how you're going to respond. Now you're okay. acting from intention instead of reaction. You're saying, I'm going to choose to respond to the situation this way. And you do this process before you send that text, before you address <laughs> that person, you deal with you first. That way, when you take it to them or you, uh, you you re-encounter the situation, it's from a place of intention. It's from a place of awareness. And you are deciding how you are going to show up and enter in your situation rather than being led just by emotion and reaction. And like we said, those distortions in our thought life. Right. Um, that we call cognitive biases, you know. Um, so that's a practice where it's like do it as many times as you need to. If you need to do that every day, if you need to do it five times a day, like anytime you're triggered by something, pause, practice the pause um, because oftentimes our adrenaline 
is hijacking our body and our brains. And now we are literally being ruled by fear. We are literally coming from a state of fear, which always creates an illusion of what the situation is. We don't want to act or respond from fear or anger or whatever it is. So let's pause. Let's work through our thought life. Um, Or for me, it's just a simple prompt of, okay, healthy Brittany is going to respond this way. (laughs) (laughs) I literally, I, I, my friends make a joke of it now, but when I would be going through stuff, it's like, I want to respond this way, but healthy Brittany, healthy healthy Brittany Brittany is going to choose to respond this way. And that just allowed me to make a brief shift. So um, remember your, use your ABCs to work through those triggers, to work through that triggering thought life um, and and start there, make it a practice. And then uh, before you know it, it can just become a regular way of life. It becomes easier than that's just something that you take yourself through. And I, I think, Brittany, too, that not only is this a very just a really good uh, practice, but there's there's spiritual components. As I was listening to you, there's mm-hmm. this is very spiritual because, I mean, you look back at you look at David, right? Mm-hmm. So David's yes. son, Absalom, is trying to kill him. <laughs> he's trying to kill him. His own son is trying to kill him. Okay? <laughs> he's he's hiding out in a cave. People want to kill him. Uh, I mean, even go back to to when Saul was trying to kill him, right? And he had an opportunity to respond when Saul's, you know, using the restroom in the cave there. He could have killed Saul mm-hmm. right there. Right. But what does he do? He actually pauses. Yeah. Right? He assesses the situation. Right. And he basically says, okay, what does healthy David should do in this moment? David do (laughs) in this moment, right? That's the message version. Yeah. Yeah. That's the message version of that. But I I, I just, you know, I think this is such a great practical skill for for believers because it is very biblical to do that. I mean, you know, uh, Solomon talks about how the wise uh, are patient, they don't just Mm -hmm. respond immediately, right? And so, yeah. Again, I just want to repeat what you said because I thought it was so good. So practice your ABCs. You get, you know, uh, the A, at, what is the activating event? What what was it? Was it the text message? Was it the comment? Was it the passive aggressive behavior that you just witnessed? What was it that just started to like just get you riled a little bit or get you kind of uh, spiraling? And right. then what was the belief? What was that initial belief that came to mind? Whether or not it was uh, really, really, really ugly belief or was it something that what was it? Don't try to don't try to uh, what what do they say? Put lipstick on the belief. What was that? Just right. raw, carnal raw, belief. Honest, yeah. Yes, and then and then the consequence. What would be your action or reaction to that event? And then once you've kind of assessed that, uh, take a beat and to think think about two other possible uh, ways to see this. Um, uh, two other possible ways to see this uh, solution. One of the things we say at Real Life is uh, a- anytime there's a conflict, what we want to do is we want to assume the best. And what that requires is us to actually reframe what just happened and think, okay, could it be something else that's causing that person to react to me this way? Like, is there the potential? And when yeah. you, because what that does is that it automatically takes you out of what we would call the victim mode. Now, sometimes right. I was going to say defensive mode. Yeah, too. Yeah, yeah. There we go. Yeah. That's a better word. Defensive mode. Because sometimes there are times where like, actually, yes, you are, you know, this right. is something a wrong to- done. Right. (laughs) And you need to address it. Exactly. But what it does is it takes you out of defensive mode. And when you come out of defensive mode, you actually are able to, in a sense, see your eyes are not, you know how like when you get angry and you see all the dots around your eyes, that's all you can focus on is the anger. It actually brings you out of that and allows you to fairly assess the situation before you respond. Absolutely. And and there are many times where I've had situations where someone is just responding or projecting or what is it, whatever it is. And even though it was totally them and their projection, just by me doing this, I was able to de-escalate the situation and just be like, okay, I understand where you're coming from, you know, and I can't control how what I'm said is taken or this and that, but let me tell you my intentions. And then it was like, thank you so much for sharing that with me. Like you just be surprised how even if it's not you just being able to get into that grounded and like you said, fair-minded state um, can help you really move through situations with wisdom and, and actually be fruitful. Um, I know we're not going to do this perfectly every single time, but it's a tool. It's a tool and a tool belt of resources. And this is even where you can pray Lord. Right. That there's a prayer in that pause too. Right. Where it's just like, Lord, show me my thoughts. (laughs) 
show me my intentions. Um, Search my heart. heart. Right. Have a moment of surrender in that pause. Take what you need in that pause for yourself, for your spirit. That's so good, Brittany. Okay. So here's what I want to do just to kind of jump to that. Uh, and to end our time here today, you wrote this really great bro- blog, sorry, blog post that yeah. just like hit me like a somebody was hitting me, like grandma was <laughs> hitting me with a purse. Like it was like, pay attention, boy. Uh, and uh, <laughs> it was so good. I, I, I've i so read loved. it like at least six times now. I've shared it with a couple of people. Wow. But you wrote a you wrote a blog post called the 11 daily uh, 11 daily habits you're overlooking that are killing your mood. And I just thought as we just had this just extensive conversation about our thought life and how that, you know, how we process that, I thought, man, this would be so great to share with our listeners. So what I want to do is I want to go through each of these uh, for the rest of it to finish out this episode because I found them to be super helpful. And I think our listeners will benefit from this as well. And I want you to kind of give us just your one or two things that we can do to counter these things. Okay. Mm, okay, So you listed 11. And I'm going to read them, and then you give us the one or two things that we can do opposite to actually uh, avoid these things, okay? Okay, rapid fire. Number one, rapid fire, here (laughs) we go. Number one, you said you're starting the day from reaction instead of intention. Yes. This is the idea that as soon as we wake up, we put on, we pick up our phones, we're absorbing all these opinions as bad news and all these things. And it is setting the tone for our mind and our mental state um, for us instead of us entering our own day intentionally. So the way to counteract that is for some people, it's like not looking at your phone for the first hour before you wake up. Um, and just having a mindful morning, having a morning ritual, maybe it's, you know, you wake up, you pray, you read scripture, you journal, um, you are setting the tone or visualizing your day and how you want to enter your day. You are setting the tone and being intentional about how you want to enter the day and the mental state you want to be in instead of letting the world kind of bombard your mind and set that for you. Awesome. I love it. Okay. Number two, (laughs) you're sleep deprived. (laughs) I think this is very common. Um, to be fair, we have a lot on our minds, but yeah, sleep depression, sleep deprivation. Mm-hmm. Um, I was saying leaves us, you know, vulnerable to low and reactive moods because naturally we just don't have the energy. And when we don't have the physical energy, it's also hard to fight our thoughts. You know, it's also hard to um, stay grounded mentally. So. Way to combat that. Try to go to bed around the same time every night. You might not fall asleep at the same time, but be like, at this time, I'm shutting down and I'm at least placing myself. I'm positioning myself in bed because your body doesn't know time. It knows cycles. So if you can keep it on a consistent cycle before you know it, like I don't even set alarms anymore. My body just automatically wow. wakes up at the same time every morning and getting my son to school on time depends on it, right? Wow. So get yourself on a cycle. Um, try to put down screens, you know, an hour mm-hmm. before bed, ideally. So, yeah. <laughs> well, and, and then really quick, I think, I think number two is connected to number one, because exactly. what ends up happening is you go to bed with your phone and you, you stroll until you fall asleep or you're tired and then you wake up and the first thing you do is you're back to strolling again. So it really <laughs> like, you know, so yeah, I, I, I told that this is a problem that I struggle with. That's why I'm talking we about it. We all do it. We all get caught <laughs> up in it, to be fair. <laughs> okay. Number three, and I had to learn this one. And so, um, mm. and I may say it wrong. You're enmeshing. Yeah. Is it right? Yeah. <laughs> okay. You're enmeshing, automatically absorbing people's thoughts and emotions. Yeah, this goes to emotional boundaries. I think that our culture talks a lot about boundaries, like setting boundaries with people. But the lesser, I don't know, the lesser known boundary or the harder boundary to distinguish is actual emotional boundaries. This is when you're having, you're like doing fine. You're having a fine day. But then someone else is projecting their emotions on you, whether Mm -hmm. it's at the office or it's online and they're upset about something or they're reacting to something or hyped or whatever it is. And now you're like absorbing their emotions. You're absorbing their urgency or their anger or their reactivity or whatever it is. And that really is just 
taking the pause and identifying I am a separate individual with my own thoughts, feelings, and emotions. They are a separate individual with their own thoughts, feelings, and emotions. I am only responsible for my own. And I can be there for someone or hear someone without taking on their emotional state and uh, making it my own. So it really is this idea of being able to separate yourself um, and realizing that you just don't have to take on everything that is tossed at right. you. I was explaining this to someone. I was, I, I was telling about the block, and I was telling, I was trying to explain how I feel like empathy is much different than emeshing. You can empathize yeah. with somebody, exactly. right? You can feel like, oh man, I know what you're going through because I've walked through that, but you don't have to actually then take it on. And I think a lot of times Christians hear, oh, when we empathize, we have to feel what they're feeling. And I was like, no, 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 no. You don't have to feel that. Empathy is a lot different than enmeshing. Yeah. And it goes also the flip side with like our reactive culture online. You'll see people just get really angry and upset or just reactive to news and things online. You know, and next thing you know, you're all in a heightened state. That's right. You know, because it's like, wait a minute, did you even take the time to pause and develop your own thoughts about the situation? Or, you know, we just automatically respond the way other people are responding without having our own, having the space for our own process. And that's what that's really about. It's just taking the time and space for your own process to develop your own thoughts and convictions, connect with God, connect with yourself and going from there um, rather than just absorbing everything that's around us. That's so, that's so stressful to me. (laughs) Right. Yeah, that's good. Okay. Number four, you get stuck in a rigid mindset. (laughs) Yeah. So that's this idea of rigidity versus adaptation. So this happens a lot with perfectionism where you're just like, I have to do these things or I have to get these things done or the day has to go this way. Things have to play out this way. And you're so stuck on the way things should go that you have such a tight grip on control that it is actually controlling you. And the moment that something unpredicted pops up or goes wrong, you are just a mess, you know, or you don't complete something. You are a mess because you have tied yourself so tightly to this rigid mindset. So one of the things to counter, I always encourage is to go into the day and life within adaptive mindset rather than a rigid mindset saying, you know, these are my goals. These are my plans. However, I am able to adapt. I have the capability to adapt as necessary and move things around should things change. And so that is just generally better for our mental health to be adaptable. Oh, yeah. I think that I love that idea because (laughs) I definitely can do that. I have a plan. And then if it goes awry, I'm frustrated all day. (laughs) I didn't get all 20 things done on my to-do list. It's like, first of all, why would you have 20 things? That's too much. (laughs) Let's let's appropriate this to your lifestyle in a way that's realistic, right? That makes Um, sense. For sure. (laughs) That makes sense. Okay. Number uh, number five, uh, malnutrition. You're lacking essential nutrients that fuel your brain and your body. Yeah. And we did touch on this a little bit earlier. And that is that, you know, food is two things. It's fuel for your body. Literally food breaks down into glucose, which is, which is stored energy, which powers your brain and body. Okay. So it's fuel. And, um, they also make up the chemical building blocks for our brain. Um, and so having a lack of essential nutrient sources, such as found in like greens, proteins, omega threes, or just being depleted of energy because you haven't been eating. Um, we used the term hangry right now. It's like, like, no, you just need to eat. Um, you know, these are immediate and resolvable reasons that your mood may be off. So, Mm. um, just making sure you're fueled, uh, nutritionists typically recommend having snacks through the day, even things just like apples and peanut butter or, you know, whatever it may be, um, just to keep you going. Yes, yes. Apples and peanut butter is a good snack. Oh, just so you hear that. Okay. Holy snack. It's so good. Okay. Yeah. Number number six. And this is probably the one that really just kind of hit me across the head. You're living <laughs> in the future. Yeah. Oh man. This it's we call it the control fallacy as well in um in psychology. We also call it uh, fortune telling. Not like okay. literally fortune telling, but that's like the name for it. It's where you are trying to just control and try to predict how the future is is going to go. A lot of times this causes a lot of anxiety too, mm-hmm. where it's like, 
I don't want to go to this thing because I don't know what's going to happen or I'm afraid this is going to happen or I'm afraid of taking this chance because it could play out like this. You're like so in the future and research has shown that we're actually really, really bad at predicting the future and that we actually predict the future based off of our current emotional state rather than what is really going to take place or what could happen. And things tend to go better than we think they are. Um, And so, yeah, so it's this idea of just be present, be willing to approach things as they come, uh, be willing to be open-minded because it's going to be difficult to see the good in things or the hope in things if you're already going into it from a predetermined mindset. Um, Yes. So So, uh, instead of living in the future, just try to be present. (laughs) Try to be present. Yes. So my wife will tell you I am a natural pessimist (laughs) Uh, (laughs) when it comes to a lot of things, except for the gospel. Like I always believe the gospel can can change a person's life. So that's probably one of the few places that I'm actually very optimistic. But most of everything in life, I automatically assume, especially I'm a huge sports fan. Go L.A. Rams this week. Uh, yes, we got the Super Bowl uh, when this uh, this uh, episode is being taped. But um, I, I automatically assume that my teams are going to lose, that uh, whatever uh, venture. When I was starting this podcast, I was like, no one's going to listen to it. Uh, when I, you know, just I, I'm a natural pessimist and because I, I, I think I have this thing where I've thought, okay, if I set the expectations low, then I can't be disappointed. But when they exceed my expectations, then there's a lot of joy. And I just get uh, super surprised. <laughs> yeah, I'll be super surprised. And so it's not a healthy way of living. And so I, I've been a yeah. part of that self-awareness journey is try to try yeah. to be more open-minded uh, in, in those things as well. It's a so, protective uh, factor. You explain what we called foreboding joy. Mm. You know, you are not allowing yourself to experience the fullness of joy or the fullness of the moment because you are already predicting things and you're in your head. And so on one end, it's a, it's a protective factor. Anytime Mm -hmm. we have a habit or thought process, even if it's negative, the reason why we hold on to it is because it serves us in some way. Mm -hmm. And the way it serves you is by protecting you. However, when we cut off the vulnerability and the allowing ourselves to be vulnerable to the moment, when we cut off the opportunity for hope and joy, um, we are, we're limiting our emotions and we're limiting our ability to show up wholeheartedly and really oh, feel true. the depth of yeah. those moments. So, um, mm, that's so true. So, that's a yeah. word for Michael today. <laughs> okay. <Been> there. <laughs> totally. <got you. laughs> Number seven, you're oversaturating yourself with bad news and media. I mean, there it is, right? <laughs> there like, it is. Especially with the past couple of years with things socially, politically, like all the things, no matter what you think or where you land. I mean, there was just, I think, a lot of negative news and you have mental health professionals who are like, I get it. We need to be informed. But one, this is like creating health anxiety for everyone and bad news, really uh, too much bad news exacerbates our mental health. Um, it overwhelms us. It depletes us. And so taking spaces to pause and just take a break. I think we feel the need to stay hyper-informed all the time and respond to things all the time. And social media creates that pressure. But I'm like, I'm not going to let the world create that pressure for me. Like, I'm going to take the space I need to process it. I'm going to process it with my safe people first. I'm going to go to God and decide and use discernment to decide whether or not if this is something I should speak to. I'm going to limit it. I'm going to do something joyful do something happy. And I'm not going to guilt myself for seeking joy during turbulent times, you know, um, as a means of coping and relief, um, without being completely ignorant to everything. So, so yeah, Yeah. it's just like, it's okay to have boundaries around news. It's okay. You are not letting your society down. Like it's fine. (laughs) You don't have to know everything. (laughs) Okay. Number eight, you're dehydrated. (laughs) that's like one for me this week. Um, (laughs) Yeah. I mean, like when you think about it, the best time to drink water is first thing when you wake up because you've been sleeping for however many hours, six, seven, eight hours. You think about it. You've been going without any water Um, and your brain is made up of 75% water. It really is the kind of lubricant that keeps everything flowing and being dehydrated can slow down brain function, cognition, attention, and focus. So um, also sometimes when you feel like you're having hunger pains, it's Mm -hmm. actually thirst cues. It 
feels like you're hungry, but sometimes it can be confusing, but it's actually, they're actually thirst cues. And that's actually your body telling you that you need to drink. (laughs) So just being hydrated through your day can play a role in the efficiency of your brain functioning. Okay. Number nine, you're experiencing light deprivation. I know it's like all the deprivation things, not to make (laughs) this thing a downer, but yeah, I mean, we now live in a culture where we are, our labor is primarily inside. In previous right. generations, a lot of labor took place outdoors. It took place outside, especially when we were like cultivating our own food, building our own things. There was much more of an outdoor life. And it's also outdoors where we get vitamin D from the sun. And vitamin D um, metabolizes on our skin through cholesterol and it actually converts into serotonin in the brain. And serotonin is known as kind of the happy chemical or the mood balancing chemical. So a lot of people are deficient. And I won't say a lot, a number of people might be unaware that they're deficient in vitamin D and that just being indoors all the time and not getting any natural light, just kind of living a a life kind of just in darkness in front of your computer yeah. screen. All you see is the glow of the screen on your face kind of thing. Um, yeah, you need to get outside, get some, get sunlight, some sun, get some vitamin D, or now they have light therapy um, that you can even just get on Amazon where they have light boxes um, that can help wow. as well. And you really see this during the winter. And that's where we have right. like seasonal depression. Uh, a lot of times that they think it's because you're not getting as much sunlight during the winter seasons. And so you just need some light. Yeah. <laughs> yes. That was one of the reasons why uh, a move to California was so important for us because there you go. I experienced seasonal depression because in Indiana, literally uh, from like, uh, I would say mid October to uh, uh-huh. April, like you'd get maybe one day of sunshine and it was horrible. It was to add to bad. that. To add to that, just adding a cultural perspective, being African-American, you can, it actually increases your risk of being, we're both black. I know people are listening. Yes. yes. (laughs) So so, talking to myself too, um, because we have like the layers of melanin, as far as how the sunlight's getting through, through our skin. um, If you are a person of color, you can also have a higher risk of being deficient in vitamin D. Yeah. Um, I went to my doctor and actually asked her to test for vitamin D in which she found that she recommended, there you go. He's holding up his pills. I have mine too. That's right. That's right. Also vitamin D helps with your immune system um, as well. They were finding that it was helping with immunity during COVID. Uh, So, so yeah, Yeah. saying all that to say, get your, get your sunlight. Get your sunlight. All right. Number 10, (laughs) number 10, you fall into a mental bias of control fallacy. I won't touch on this too long because we already kind of touched on it with previous ones. Again, it's the idea that you feel like you should either be, there's two sides of it. You feel like you should either be in control of everything, but then what happens is when things happen that are outside of your control, you shame yourself and you go into a victim state because you, you think you should have been able to prevent things or do things that were out of your control. So we can't control everything. The flip side is feeling like you can't control anything. And that leads into depression and hopelessness because you feel like nothing that you do matters. Um, When really there are some things that are within your control that you can take action with in your life, even in small steps that lead to big results in the outcome of your life. So kind of getting rid of the control fallacy. You can't control everything. Focus on the areas that you can control and that's a good happy medium to be in. There you go. Okay, last one. You're last clinging one. to avoidance behaviors. <laughs> this is my favorite because it's so counterintuitive and we hate it. Um, I Even I hate it because it's this idea that you actually need to confront the thing that is okay. troubling you in order to heal and move forward. Mm-hmm. Um, our more natural instinct is to avoid whether it's conflict or just getting out of bed or doing what it is that we need to do. Um, But this is especially in the case of anxiety. Like say you want to be better at public speaking or you want to be better at writing or you want to be better at whatever it is, but this thing gives you anxiety, you know, doing this thing or going to this place gives you anxiety. Unfortunately, uh, the only way that you overcome that is by actually exposing yourself to it. And especially it. gradually over time, uh, research has shown that when it comes to phobias, it's actually exposure therapy that tends to be the most effective, which is when um, 
And this is usually taking place in a safe therapeutic setting. It's when you are slowly being exposed repeatedly to the thing that you are fearing. And because you are getting more and more familiar with that, it's desensitizing the fear. And so you're able to show up more. I know this was the case for me on something as simple as being on camera, like being on video for Instagram or videos. Like I just felt so uncomfortable doing that. But the more that I did it, now I just pop on like, okay, hey, we're here. I've done it so many times now, you know, same with podcasting. I've spoken on so many podcasts now. So let's, we're here, but that all came through exposure. So I tell people if, if you're having anxiety with something or you have a fear of something and it really is limiting your life, either get with a therapist, depending on how severe it is, or consider gradual exposure it's going to feel vulnerable. It's going to feel scary. Just remind yourself that it comes to the territory and the, and um, where you're trying to go. And the other side is worth it. Yeah. Well, Brittany, man, that's a lot of information. This is a jam pack episode. And uh, we (laughs) tried to cover a lot of ground here. We're going to have to have you back on at some point to maybe just hone in on one or two things. But (laughs) I really just wanted everyone to kind of just get a 30,000 foot view of of the work that God is really asked you to do uh, with uh, with everybody, with believers and non-believers as we walk Mm -hmm. through that. And so thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. Thanks, Michael. This was fantastic. I can't wait to share. All right. And so, uh, Brittany, why don't you let everybody know where they can find you at? Yeah, I am on all the things. I am on Instagram under Brittany Moses, Facebook, Twitter, a little bit of TikTok and on YouTube. But if you go to BrittanyMoses.com, that kind of houses everything. I also have the Faith and Mental Wellness podcast, which is where we have conversations at the intersection of faith and mental health with both mental health professionals, faith leaders, and those with lived experience. And so that's where we get to continue and continuously dive in these types of conversations. That's so awesome. Yeah. So make sure you check her out, BrittanyMoses.com. Also, uh, the podcast that you can find on the website as well, too. Brittany, thank you so much for being here. We're so glad to have you. Thanks, Michael. Yes. And I want to thank you for listening today. If this was helpful for you, would you do me a favor, a big favor and share this with others? Also, I'd love it if you would provide a positive rate and review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to your podcast episodes, which will help this show reach more people. And you guys know what I say. It's what it's what this is about. It's not about fame or popularity. This podcast is all about encouraging and inspiring every Christian to love Jesus and to live out their purpose in uncommon ways. Thanks for joining and we'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to the Uncommon Christian Podcast with Michael Hinton. For more information on today's topic, visit UncommonChristianPodcast.com.